We are recording. Hello, Hunter. Hello, Alec. How are you? Doing okay. Getting ready for a bachelor party this weekend. So we've got a fresh fade and got a pocket full of dollar bills. And I'm ready to go. Many dollar bills. Looking for love. How many dollar bills? Uh, hundreds. Hundreds of dollar bills. You can't. You're going to be sitting uh, sideways with that many bills in your pocket. Yeah, it's, I'm going to have to find like pad out. both cheeks equally with the amount exactly, of dollars. Exactly. Yeah, take some out of one pocket and put it in the other. I think that's reasonable. Well, hello. What do you want to talk about today? So we're doing a uh, quick episode with just the two of us. To talk about a few things. We're doing a, a quickly quickie. I, are we going to workshop a name real quick, like a a thought off? Think think about. I like uh, the entitled, uh, current events, entitled events. It's kind of kind events. of current events. What's on our mind? Just uh, quick ideas. I mean, they're kind of pitches. So you pitched a couple things. There was something about the scientific method you were interested in discussing. Yes, I think there's uh, there's something to be said about the scientific method and how certain scientific endeavors are being funded. And because I like there's a conflict of interest because a lot of the funding comes from people or entities that want a certain result. Correct. And they don't fund uh, science research when they don't give you the result that you want. So when they, when people present an idea to an organization that is looking to fund research and uh, the people are presenting idea that is outside of the scope of what the organization is looking to fund, or it goes against um, pre-existing knowledge of a certain field, they're less likely to fund that knowledge or fund that research. And so the impact to that, uh, to the scientific field is that we get a lot of what's called publication bias. And so we keep mm -hmm. heading in a certain direction because of uh, existing existing research out there because there's predisposed um, biases. So a lot, a lot of things. And I, I just want to talk about those, that, and uh, what I would like to get to eventually, I don't think I have the, the, um, the idea completely thought out, but um, I think it would be interesting to have some sort of decentralized system to allocate resources to scientific endeavors. So thinking like blockchain, and uh, how could we kind of crowdsource scientific endeavors using blockchain? Blockchain technology could be funding through um, through a bunch of people, or it could be a, some sort of voting system. And uh, and there are existing platforms out there that do this, like uh, there's Science Coin, there's Scientific Coin, but they don't. They're not getting at what I think the world needs as a tool to um most fairly research science basically mm -hmm. so i think uh so why why do i care about this so i have a i have a list of problems and uh list of issues that uh makes me want to you know think about this potential solution to the problems so um so you you ask yourself why why do we care about this so for one you think of the pharmaceutical industry um, I have one note here. So there is a, some scientists didn't publish data showing that his drug Vioxx at Merck Pharmaceutical 
increase the risk of heart attacks and strokes. And several pharmaceutical companies failed to publish data showing that their antidepressant drugs increase the risk of suicide in adolescence. So, so I mean, obviously bad because uh, they're influenced to present research in a certain way because they want to get their dollars. They don't want to lose their paycheck. Another example is a uh, pharmaceutical company called Boots forced, forced a pharmacologist called Betty Dong to withdraw a paper accepted by the New England Journal of Medicine showing that its thyroid medication is not superior to several generic medications. And then there was a, another case of this guy, Eric Pullman. He admitted to fabricating and falsifying data over a 10-year period on 15 federal grants worth over $2.9 million. So he, so he basically got paid $2.9 million to do all of this research, and it was all fake <laughs> because the organization giving him money like the results that he was giving them, regardless of right. whether or not they were true. And then because of that, he served a year in federal prison and was fined $200,000. And he said he manipulated the data because he felt pressure to maintain grant funding to support himself in his research. Oh study. yeah. That poor guy, he got manipulated. I mean, but that's the, but that's the rule of the game. That's how they, that's how a bunch of these research professors keep their jobs. They're basically paid from grants from the government. So yeah, there's there's no there's no government or private entity walking into his lab and twisting his arm and saying you must do this research. He's like, I want money so that I can be successful. Uh, I'm gonna go where the money's at, and then he's freaking you know yeah, of course turning the other yeah. He, I mean that's face. Ex exactly. It's it's kind of you blame obviously blame him because his morals and his ethics are obviously fucked up. And so, um, but at the same time, you can see how the, how the system is set up and how it incentivizes the players to act a certain way. So he's just playing the game because he's incentivized to do so. That's how he gets paid. If you want to maximize the money you make, you're going to play this game and say, fuck your ethics and morals. Yeah. I'm not it, saying it, he's good. He obviously fucked up. It's one case of where the system incentivized a immoral researcher. And right. yeah, I agree. I, I don't think it's very uncommon. I heard a statistic on the Patrick Bet David's David podcast about how something like 75, somewhere between 70 and 80% of the funding for um, drug research comes from the very companies that want that research done. So, it, so the FDA and the tax money is only doing 15 or 20% of the research towards different substances that we're putting in our bodies. The rest of it is just being funded by the companies that want to push it. Yeah. I mean, that, <clears throat> I think that makes sense. That's exactly. So, I mean, if you just think about the pandemic coronavirus companies like Pfizer, they're funding all of this research for a vaccine that can potentially protect people from COVID. What if some research so shows that there's an alternative medicine that could help you uh, help reduce the the symptoms of COVID, but it's not going to directly provide profit to Pfizer? You know what? Right. What are the what are the scientists working for Pfizer going to be incentivized to do? So I mean, I don't I don't want to use that because at this point it's it's a trope, but uh, yeah. as an example, but. You, I think there's there's many instances of this in the scientific community where their their morals are being 
uh, put at risk because of how the financial structure is operating and because they want to keep their jobs. Well, another um, famous example of this is how, uh, I, I believe it was the New York times did an expose that, that showed how, uh, Coca-Cola, especially in other sugar filled products like breakfast cereal had been, uh, promoting research that showed fat was bad and hiding research that showed sugar was bad. And now in the 21st century, we know that, uh, simple carbohydrates and especially sugar, freely available sugar are the leading causes of, uh, the, the preventative diabetes and other diseases like that associated with heart and cholesterol. And it's only now that we're very slowly saying like, Oh no, fats are good. We need fats that are the right kinds of fats. It's like, we really got to shut down the sugar and the simple carbohydrates, but for 50, 60 years, it was hammered into generations that, uh, you know, you get a picture of a breakfast cereal as part of a balanced breakfast. And it's got as much, you look at the whole thing, you know, the fruit, the milk, <laughs> the cereal, um, whatever else might be in that little picture of the yogurt. That's enough. Sh that's as much sugar as you need in a week, practically. Yep. And, I totally agree. And so the pyramid, the food pyramid, it's totally wrong to say that the main thing we should be eating are cereals and grains. It's, and so now they've updated it and they've like shifted it sideways. So there's equal slices of grains and vegetables and fruits and protein. So it, it, I'm just trying to support your point that the research can be super biased, especially when um, a lot of money is in play. And even something like the government doesn't do a good job of discerning what is moral and immoral research. Yeah. I think the players sometimes they don't even realize that the game is structured a certain way. So they don't even have the, um, have the, not the ability, but just the chance to think like, Oh, maybe there is another way of thinking. So if they're like pigeonholing their thinking and it's to the detriment of society as a whole, because we're not doing the actual science. We're doing science, very directed science. And there's so a lot of other examples like climate change. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of science. If So the, so I have a note here. So the IPCC, the Intergovern Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, they're funded by the World Meteorological Organization and the UN Environment Program. And they started this, uh, they called it the analysis report on climate change. That's the big climate change document that tells everybody what's going on. Started mm -hmm. in 1990 at, as AR1, Analysis Report 1, and they just released AR6 in 2022. And so they have 32 years of data saying that the world is heading a certain way in terms of climate change. It's it's warming. We need to reduce carbon emissions. Uh, the sea levels are going to rise, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And for 32 years, they've been building this case so um, how likely are they going to uh, accept a scientific, a good, true scientific research paper that's stating like, you know, something to the contrary of that 32 years of work? They're going to make all of those of those people that have been doing this work for 30 years look like idiots because something because the science may be pointing a different way. Um, so, I mean. I think I think that's a really big example because that has potentially big impacts because it's driving a lot of the the ESGs and a lot of the uh, 
the green regulations. Yeah, and and the the move to electric vehicles because they're very hyper focused on one solution. And maybe that one solution isn't necessarily the best solution for the world. You know, you think about electric vehicles um, because there's less carbon emissions when you drive the cars, but you're digging all of the all of the batteries, the components that go into the batteries out of the ground in Africa. Yeah. All of the cobalt and all that all that healthy right, stuff so you that these to, kids are working in. Yeah, lots of diesel engines uh, digging and transporting around the the materials and, and also there's the refining process to be able to make the materials that go into uh, electric cars and especially their batteries. And then once that's all in place anyway, we still need a way to generate energy. And as much as I think a lot of us would like to have solar panels on our roofs and like all the roofs everywhere, again, more materials that need to be dredged up from somewhere. And, um, maybe a lot of the energy needs are going to be met in other carbon producing ways, just because the thing you're sitting on isn't, you know, kicking out smoke and, and carbon emissions doesn't mean that it's not being done somewhere. Uh, so I, I understand right. your comment there. Um, as long as it's not in my backyard, it's not the problem. Um, so back to the annualized report, was that what it was called? It's the uh, analysis report. So analysis reports. So, yeah, so that AR one in nineteen ninety and then AR six. They just replay just uh, released the sixth version in twenty twenty two. I haven't read it. I've read the AR five released in like twenty thirteen a little bit. I don't know what it's saying in AR six, but uh, it's thirty two years of work that thousands of scientists have contributed to. It's interesting. Are they? only including research that seems to support a certain hypothesis or are they showing contrary findings based off of different uh, evidences uh, and where is the funding and the motivation for this report stemming from i mean if, if the whole purpose of that body is to show that it's carbon emissions human induced climate change then that's always going to be the findings isn't it so you you do have to dive into something like that to pick it apart a little bit more. Maybe it's more unbiased yeah, than that. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't done that much research into the new one, but the last one they make statements like um, uh, the scientists that contributed to this work, you know, they classify as something like uh, they're highly confident, they are medium confident, or there's low confidence in some outcome that they're espousing, and then there's some other um, some other claims that they don't put any sort of confidence on. And they say that the scientists, they say, we know that, that we're take, assuming this is truth based off our understanding of the uh, science or the published articles or whatever. So there's some, there's some claims that they make in the reports where they, they assume it's truth without assigning any level of confidence in the report. So, I mean, just, just, well, I, I know, I mean, not saying what they're, it's wrong, but I think the methodology is wrong. And, uh, I think, and I'm not arguing against any of the, what they're saying, any of the climate change. I'm just saying that's an example where it can easily influence future research, especially mm -hmm. if that future research is saying something opposite of what all these people have been claiming. But there's an analogy I think to be made to the discussion we've had previously about, uh, derivatives and the financial market. If you've got a bunch of research that's based off of previous bad research and that research just keeps going and going. Uh, and then at some point that 
base item, that base level research is, is incorrect. And that comes to light, then the entire corpus that was built upon it also crumbles. And so it's tough to know what principles we're going to, we should be going back to and which ones we should be referencing. It does seem like scientists around the world funded from all kinds of different bodies are all very confident that climate change is being accelerated by human actions. And the, the one that most people know the best is carbon dioxide emissions. And there's a, and I mean, methane emissions are also pretty bad, but there's a, there is a cause and effect that we can understand, which is that the more carbon dioxide and the more methane are in the atmosphere, the more, um, in, is it infrared radiation? More of the, the sun's energy gets trapped within the greenhouse effect. And yeah. that just, it, that can spiral out of control. Now those kinds of statistics can be manipulated. So for example, uh, for a long, for a few years back when I was studying this, people were talking about how we should reduce animal husbandry and we should become more vegetarian because the ruminants that we farm produce a lot of methane. It's, that's part of their, like they do a lot of burping and, and yeah, that was the uh, and... cowspiracy documentary, right? Did you see that one on Netflix? i probably did. Um, it's it, probably like 2010, I think when it came yes. out. I think I've seen it. Yes, I'm sure I have. And so there was, there's, you know, because methane is 23 times stronger of a greenhouse gas than, than carbon dioxide. This is part of the motivation of saying we need to eat less meat. <clears throat> now, if you look on the global map of things that produce methane, the thing that produces by far the most methane are rice fields. So there are enormous acreages of land that have been intentionally covered with water because then you don't have to go through and weed those, those, those plots. You can just plant, plant the rice and that grain, that particular plant can grow in the water just fine. And that water, although it creates a little ecosystem, it's an anaerobic ecosystem. And so that it decomposes the plant matter without oxygen. And that releases more methane than, um, the ruminants that are farmed around the world. So do we get rid of rice? I never heard about that. Yeah. (laughs) See, I mean, I wonder if they cover that kind of thing in, you know, in these reports because they're, they're so straight, you know, narrow minded and they're not their approach, but you know, where the thing's heading. And I I bring this all up because I think there's some utility in having some sort of decentralized method of uh, deciding what scientific research to invest in and the, and I'm a believer in democracy, and I think that's the most efficient way to, you know, provide the best freedoms for people. And if there's a system where we can have a the most democratized method of assigning, I don't know, credits or uh, priorities to scientific research, I think the blockchain would be the way to do it. And there are some ventures out there that are that have been started. Some are for profit. Some are kind of acting like a, a crowdfund, crowdfunding mechanism and uh, others are, you know, in the same spirit where it's, they, they have this whole ecosystem that they wanted other coins to be built on or to be built on it to support this uh, scientific uh, funding. And I don't, but none of them have been, have been widely implemented. 
So I feel that our discussion here could go into a sort of philosophy of voting. Um, exactly. I think it's very tied to what we talked about before with the, with that. The past Pluto's posts, we touched upon it there. Mm -hmm. So if, if we want to have even some level of government funded research, or if we want to have some kind of body that orchestrates research, people need to have some kind of a vested interest as voters and in democracy, historically, you had to have something to lose to be able to be a voter. Back in Athens, you had to be a, a, a landowner. And that's been the case in, in democracies or things approximating democracy um, throughout time. I don't know exactly what the requirements were in, say, a democratic North American tribal society, but you, pro you, had, to, you had to pass to become, you know, quote unquote, an adult or a, a member or a voting participant there were rituals and rights that you had to pass through those hardships. And, and so your reputation might be at stake now in a more anonymous digital age, we can't just have unfettered voting because then you just get bots and you get anonymous, you know, queuing on, if you want to say some, you know, less than scrupulous anonymous uh, participant. Uh, so you need to have some, way to make it matter. And the way that we have done that traditionally is with money. And the problem is, is that we get these, this, uh, cycle of centralization where something becomes more successful and it crowds out the competitors and all the resources get funneled through that particular body. Now, in addition to that issue, you've also got the issue of interest. And I don't think most people on even a weekly basis are, con are concerned at all with what kind of research is going on in universities throughout the world. So to question you a little bit further, what would be, what would be a direction that we could go towards to make a more decentralized and yet not, uh, uh, easily manipulated system for getting people to have a consensus on what needs to be researched well it doesn't even have to be a consensus it's just uh like a million people want you know us to research how to teleport or something and maybe people spend time into that and they publish papers on it they don't have to necessarily invent a teleportation device but maybe they start researching some fundamental physics to support you know some future development of a teleportation device but you at least you know where society, where the people want to go. I mean, it could be something like let's develop a hyper efficient engine or something. I don't know. It could be it could be something more mm -hmm. practical. Maybe not a teleportation device. But uh, I think there's certainly um, some level of education that needs to happen. And maybe maybe having this sort of system would make people educate themselves more and feel more obligated to you know know certain technologies or they. Maybe it becomes gamified and they, they say, Hey, I want this, this, uh, teleportation device to be invented. And so I'm going to, you know, parade this around. I'm gonna learn about it. Well, there's could a, be, could be a lot of things that happen out of that. There's a chicken and the egg. So you have some researcher who has poured an enormous amount of their life into studying something that they are very passionate about. 
and they're able to garner interest. Maybe they're well-spoken as well as passionate and they're able to convince the voters of this system to allocate resources towards them. And then because of that, more people get into that line of research. Uh, on the other hand, if it's some kind of a democratic body, there's always going to be the aspect of what gets attention will be correlated with what is voted for. Uh, one of my favorite human beings, Rick Scott, he spent billions of dollars. That is a joke, by the way. He spent the most money that I've ever AI's spent. Here. That's sarcasm. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so Rick Scott spent the most money that had ever been spent, I think, on any kind of single candidate election, even more than the president, potentially. Definitely more than any other state um, governor had ever been spent. And despite him being probably an alien and uh, almost certainly an insurance fraudster, he still got elected. And so when we look at a system where it's like, okay, let's make this decentralized a voting body. Well, the people who want the people who have the money and want the research are going to fund marketing campaigns that boost their own body of research and decry others. So there's always going to be some conflict of interest and, in, and in some of the man, um, wriggling the system because then what else are they going to do? They're going to buy and fund politicians who can make sure that the system is more oriented towards the, what they want. I mean, this is very cynical on my part. And, and I guess a lot of it is playing devil's advocate. Um, it's because, but if we're also saying, you know, we want to have an education system that has students value uh, the science more, and maybe they could be integrated at a young age into this voting system of, of how our resources get allocated to research well, then who's going to structure the education system? At some point, there's going to be big finance who's able to dip into their pockets and buy the um, superintendent or the president of the board of education, and they're going to be able to help push with their funding towards a system that's more in their favor, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I see what you're saying. I think it's more of, uh, I think something like this has to happen because we're not going to advance as a society because we're going to pigeonhole our inventions in a, a certain way of thinking. So I, what uh, maybe we can end it on this is uh, when Albert Einstein published his paper on, I believe it was general relativity, not a single person peer reviewed it. And there was a, I think a group of like a hundred scientists that said that he was wrong. <laughs> and, uh, and we know that he was not wrong. And now we understand, uh, how light travels and uh, general relativity and all sorts of other things that we've proven to be correct. But back then he didn't follow any of the conventions. He, you know, proposed an idea that he thought was true and people fought him over it because they said, well, you know, I don't want to say the science is settled, but, but uh, that's, they had a way of thinking and they, he challenged it yeah. and he actually ended up being right. And I don't want a system well, that right. rewards that kind of thinking that those hundred scientists, right. More right. He's less wrong than the other scientists. Yeah. Right? I, I, I'm with you. I, I, it, I think it's it more really... of, we have to, we have to do it. I don't, instead of, uh, it's how we're going to implement it. I think we have to change the system because it's not going to head in a direction that's going to sustain society in the long run.
I, yeah, I think um, I would almost make an argument for having to get back in touch with ourselves individually and spiritually to be able to ensure that a greater percentage of the individuals are moral and that the most psychopathic um, uh, capable ones aren't getting, aren't clawing their way to the top of a CEO position. And so that I'll just, I'll just say if we want to be able to have the worldliness and the openness to be able to listen to other scientists and researchers who sound totally off the wall, we got to do psychedelics and we got to do a lot of them and we got to do them really hard. All right. Hell yeah. So psychedelics and, and blockchain science coins. Yeah. That's how we fund psychedelics and DMT. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? We could have a tax. I mean, like not a big heavy tax, but just a little bit of a tax on, on the, the substances that you decide to purchase from whatever purveyor. Make it a very yeah, heavy like tax on, on, uh, on, on sugar. Make sugar very taxed. It's a vice tax. It's a vice tax Cheap. for exploring the internal universe of your mind. Yeah. So was there another topic you were interested in exploring or are we going to, at some point we're going to go into hot takes on current events. Yes. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, those are the two things I want to cover. I I'm still thinking of the, uh, the science coin idea and, uh, maybe we could talk about it at a later time, but I need to do more research before I formulate a more, uh, coherent and concise proposal to society okay. and save the world. I'm ready well, to I, I, there's only so much that we can do in half an hour. I think we've made good progress. And I am seeing that we've got our guests on the line. So I'm happy to wrap it up if you are. Yep. Yeah, me too. I didn't know he was on the line. Well, let's, uh, all right. Let's well, thank, thank you, you for tuning in. Uh, Hunter, appreciate it, man. Yep. Adios. That was easy. I guess we just hop in the other one. Thank you, listeners, one and all, for tuning in for another episode of the Entitled Opinion Podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at entitledopinionpodcast at gmail.com. You can also DM us on Instagram at entitledopinionpod or go to our website, entitledopinion.com. That's all for folks now. Thanks for tuning in, and thanks to Landon for the music. Boosh! <laughs>